You're listening to The Heart of It Podcast. My name is Sam Smeltzer, and I'm an HR intuitive and healer. In this podcast, we'll chat about what the industry of human resources can make possible for people and our organizations. In each episode, we'll have raw conversation around inner development and organizational culture change to create a working world where both people and organizations thrive. Thank you for listening. Now let's get this episode started. there and welcome to this episode of the Heart of It podcast. Today we're talking about hiring for cultural fit, um, which has been a lesson that's come up quite a bit uh, in the last couple of months and I felt compelled to share it. In the fall, I teach a recruitment and selection development uh, class at your college and we've been using this really awesome book, um, which I'm just going to have to post a link to in the show notes because I can't remember it off the top of my head. But the book spends this large amount of time talking about employment branding. And it really has started to get my wheels spinning and thinking about cultural de- culture development within organizations, as well as recruitment and some of the basic functions that we do as HR professionals in a whole new light. And so today, talking about hiring for cultural fit uh, is going to come up because I uh, can't tell you how many people are talking about how hard it is to hire, to find good people. And I agree, it's very hard to find good people. However, a lot of the people that I've been having this conversation with um, are stuck in a situation where they're going through cycles of individuals because they're not truly hiring for cultural fit as in the culture that actually exists within their organizations and teams. And so that is what has actually really inspired this episode today. And so to get us started, we need to talk about what is the common current state that's happening to let you know that you potentially are having a problem hiring for culturally fit. Um, so you're actually having a problema right now with cultural fit in your hiring process. And the number one way to really uh, start to see that this potentially is a problem for you in your recruitment process or your selection process, the entire hiring process in general, is looking at your turnover rate. Now, number one thing is to ask yourself, are you even calculating your turnover rate? So it's actually very fascinating to me when I work with organizations of all various sizes that they're not calculating turnover rate or they're calculating turnover rate in a way that is not beneficial. So turnover uh, is one of those beautiful statistics in the HR field that we actually have is some like hardcore evidence that we can actually measure uh, retention and when people are leaving us. And for those of you that don't know what a turnover rate, it's basically the stat that allows us to know how many people are staying and how many people are going. And it's calculated over any time frame that you want. You can do a turnover rate for the month, you can do it for the year, you can do it over a 10-year period. But trying to find out, you know, how many people have left, basically uh, divided by how many people uh, are employed during that period to calculate the percentage of people that have actually left your organizations. Um, And so you can drill down as much as you want to figure out what retention looks like and how high it is. So depending on your organization, you might want to do it by department. 
You want might want to do it by position if you find that you keep posting for specific places. But this data is is meant to help you identify how quickly people are leaving the organization. And that actually ties into how you really know that you might be hiring, um, struggling with hiring for cultural fit is that that turnover rate uh, is when you're calculating, it's happening very quickly. And when I say quickly, it's happening within the first year. So you're having turnover issues within the first year. People are not staying. Um, so that means that during the selection process, during the recruitment process, there's something missing that people don't really have a really great picture of what the culture is that they're coming into, or we're not really able to gauge if that person's going to fit in our culture as kind of the subject matter experts for our organizational culture. Um, and so that turnover rate is is key, number one. So I'm going to just throw it out there that if you don't calculate turnover, please start calculating turnover. And if you calculate turnover, make sure that it is a beneficial statistic for your organization. Um, I worked with a very large organization that said that they did calculate turnover. However, the only time they counted uh, someone a resignation was if you left the entire organization. So you're looking at somewhere between 20 to 30,000 employees and you'd have to leave that entire organization for them to count it in their turnover rate. So their turnover rate actually looked really low. However, on the recruitment side, they were filling constant positions over and over. And a lot of them were in specific areas and departments within this organization, but they didn't know that data because they weren't concentrating uh, and they weren't not concentrating, but not having a more focused turnover rate and picking specific people. So that's really important. You know, it's a very simple stat, but you can make it very powerful and allow you to dig in and you can really drill down with that turnover rate. And there's so many times where I just asked for that statistic to be drilled down even further so we can fully understand what's happening in the dynamic. It's key in identifying sometimes even from a retention standpoint. So even if it's not a hiring, a cultural fit issue, sometimes we find out that it's uh, a leadership style, it's um, personalities, it's clicks, it's a, a, a specific team dynamic that's happening. And we feel like we're constantly filling positions, but it's really just due to a certain concentrated area and something that's happening. So it leads us to um, doing some more specific organizational development interventions. So it's a really simple stat. It's one that I think everybody needs to know and use and design um, the methodology that makes the most sense as to how you measure turnover within your organization. So if, once again, if turnover rate is high and you also see that it's happening quickly, so it's happening within the first year that this turnover rate is really high, that you're losing people within the first year, it's pretty much safe to say that you have a problem with how you're hiring for cultural fit. And so there's two things that I'm going to encourage you to kind of dive in a little bit deeper to help with this hiring uh, dilemma. And these two things are specifically focused on the hiring process. So there's so many things that happen with culture in the organization. I'm going to challenge you to look at two things that are specific to the recruitment and the selection process that might help you limit the uh, disconnect and misalignment that might be happening in an attempt to increase retention. 
of people that you are hiring. So the first thing is to look at job descriptions. Number one, do you have job descriptions or when you're posting for a job, is it simply just like a little tiny blurb, a paragraph? Uh, if you have job descriptions, do you look at them? Do you see what they say and what they reflect? So when someone's reading a job description, it is the first impression of your culture. So if your culture is fun, that you believe that it's fun <laughs> and playful, and yet you look at your job description and it's eight pages long and it's very technical, would that be the impression that I get? Um, actually, this morning I was just having a conversation with my colleague about how you know, there's a big debate in regards to job descriptions because it is a legal document. We do have them for a compliance uh, aspect that we have to have in the HR industry. However, it is also a marketing tool that's being used for recruitment. And there's a way to still be legally compliant. So we're not lying or fraudulent on the document, but we make sure that it's it's appealing, that it speaks a story, it tells the story of our culture, it shares our story with those who are entertaining the idea of applying and wanting to work with us. Because just as much as we're going to choose them in the interview process, they have to choose us first to apply and want to engage. And then they have to choose us at the end when we actually make the offer. And they have to choose us every single day that they show up for work. Um, so, you know, you think about this as the beginning, the beginning part of the relationship, the courting, the dating, you know, how am I appealing to them in the world of online dating? This, I guess, is your profile. Are they going to swipe left? Are they going to swipe right? Uh, when they look at your, when you, uh, when you look at your, um, when they look at your profile, when they look at this job description. And so, you know, my mentor in grad school always kept telling me this concept about, Sam, you got to make it sexy. And I didn't understand what she meant in the world of HR, but you do. You got to like, you got to make the job description sexy. You got to seduce people. You got to make it appealing for people to want to apply for the job. And so uh, the culture, the story of the culture has to be reflected on that job description. And you got to ask yourself if you were to read it and maybe even give your job description to a couple of friends, would they, would they read it and say, I want to work for this place or no, I don't want to work for this place. And most, in most um, situations, if you have a winning job description, I would say that even if someone didn't have the technical skill sets, the knowledge, skills, and abilities to actually apply, they should read it and say, wow, I really wish that I could learn those things because I want to work here. Or I want to see what other op uh, opportunities that you have available that maybe I'm qualified for because this place looks awesome to work. And I can tell you from the flip side of not looking at job postings, but traveling around and visiting organizations and walking through and feeling the cultures in those places, there are times where I definitely have, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I have a list that I say, these are organizations that I want to work for. And I used to always go to those career sites and check those job postings to look for uh, postings that were there to see if those any of those jobs I was qualified for because from visiting the organization and feeling the culture, I knew that I wanted to be there. Now on the flip side, when you're posting a job, if someone's not visited your organization and doesn't know your culture, they're reliant on that job posting telling me if I am even interested in visiting your website and explore further if I want to entertain an employment relationship with you. And so really look at that job description as your first impression. 
especially when we're dealing with situations like websites like Indeed that are pulling those profiles, those postings from your uh, career sites and putting them in a generic job board where you are up against competitors and other industries that have similar job titles and people are picking and choosing from there. And if they don't know your organization, your organization is not well known, they're going to basically go right on by unless there's a reason why they want to stop and explore it further. So really look at that job description and what it says and that it's accurate because that's that's the other piece is the job description not only does it have to be appealing but it also has to be accurate there's so many times that i've even worked for organizations we've had job postings we've filled the job and then i've talked to uh, the managers that oversee those new individuals that i've just just hired and unhappy with their skills and abilities because they don't match up what the actual job is. Even though the job posting and the job description say these things and that's who we've hired for, but there's been a huge disconnect because they'll say that that's not what that job does. I mean, maybe that job did it did that 20 years ago, but it's evolved since then and we don't do half of these things on this list. So you have someone who came in thinking that this is the way the position is going to be and then this disconnect to realize that that's not what the job actually is. And so making sure that you are consistently or just making it a part of your hiring process that before you post anything, the people who really truly know the position are looking at the position and ensuring that that posting and that description reflect what the job is actually like. Because once again, it is your first impression. It's what appeals to people, but it's also what gives someone an idea of what they will be doing and if they want to be doing it on a day-to-day basis. Uh, working for an organization is not a once and done. You're asking and hoping that someone's going to stay with you for the long haul. I think even though we, we talk about how company loyalty is slowly fading away, we're all still hunting for it. We're all still wanting those employees, those new hires who want to get hired and retire from our organizations. And so making sure those uh, job descriptions are accurate is key. The last thing about job descriptions that I will just throw out there is looking at it from a broader perspective on the organizational structure. So there have been places where I've seen job postings and job descriptions, and then I've heard comments made in the organization where they'll say, like, I'm not even sure why we have that position. Um, Or someone has gotten hired into that role and they feel like they have nothing to do. And so sometimes we get so comfortable with the fact that there's a role that if someone retires or it becomes vacant for some reason because someone moves on, we don't realize that we should reevaluate if that position's even absolutely necessary. Um, and, and so we need to look at that from an organizational structure standpoint and always ask ourselves, you know, we're so quick to want to hire. We're so quick to want to, um, hit the green button and fill those roles. You know, if it's vacant, that means it's got to be filled. The first piece of that is always reevaluating. Does that position add value? Could it add value more in a different kind of capacity? Um, 
So that's really square one. Anytime that you have a vacancy that happens. Now, I'm not saying pull up your organizational structure every time you have an opening. And there are some openings that you'll know you have to have. You know, without a doubt, that it's absolutely necessary and it adds value. But if there's a question or you're not sure or someone's held a role for a long, long time, it might be a great opportunity to ask yourself, what is best for the organization overall? Looking at the greater picture, is it just filling that position as is or is there a combination? Um, because really taking the time to figure out what the organization needs is what's best for the organization, but also for the people involved. Nobody wants to get hired to feel like they're not needed or they don't add value. Um, your engaged worker, the one that you want to retain, who wants to be with you till they retire, wants to be in a position where they um, where they have value, where they have worth, where there's actual work for them to do. So reevaluate and check that aspect as well. Now, the last piece that I want to talk about is what you're asking during the interviews. So many of us get caught up in this in this, uh, expectation or what we believe is we have to ask these standard questions that are best best interview questions out there so there's tons of templates out there google has magnified this for us you can google right now uh, interview guide template best questions to ask in an interview and they'll give you all kinds of situationally based inter uh, interview questions um, and any of us, uh, myself included, when we're asked to interview, does that, Googles and, and generates these questions. And you can create these beautiful interview guides. Um, there are a lot that are standard. And that's what we use. We use these staples as we're interviewing people. Um, but there's a disconnect that can happen when those questions are not reflective of the culture. Um, so we assume that, um, you know, understanding strengths and weaknesses and even specific situations, like how have you handled a challenge? How have you managed stress? Uh, tell me a time you've handled a difficult customer. Those give us a pulse on the individual. But how do we start integrating pieces of the culture? Now, like stress is a great question to ask people if your culture is a high stress kind of situation. So tell me about a time that you've experienced high stress. What were your initial reactions? Um, and diving into that that would, uh, you know, tap into a little bit if you have a high stressful culture. If you have a open concept, uh, you know, office space, you know, tell me how do you feel about the fact that your office space would be open? How do you set boundaries when you don't actually have a physical office and you have deadlines and people are roaming around? You know, so those are specific to the culture. But we stick to these staple kind of questions Um because they are solid questions. They let us know, you know, what are your strengths? What are your opportunities? Um, tell me about some specific time so I know you can handle customers. But they don't, they don't link back to what makes you unique as a team um, or as an organization. Um, and so finding that out, like for nonprofits, asking why, why do you want to work in the nonprofit sector? Why do you want to work for this nonprofit organization? You know, hearing their story, hearing how they connect to it uh, is really important. But I think something bigger that's here, so b b bigger than identifying what's key for your culture is I think sometimes we struggle with this 
because we are creating interview guides to reflect what we believe our culture is or what we hope that it is or that we want it to be, that we want it to be this welcoming environment. And a lot of this usually comes with the accompanying the fact that we have cultures that maybe are not where we know they need to be or we um, are struggling to manifest culture change and we have an environment that's not necessarily welcoming. And so one of the things that I want to ask you in regards to if you're you're struggling with retention, if you are finding that people are leaving very quickly um, because they say it's just not a good fit, you know, I, I want to ask you, like, are you afraid to admit what your culture actually is? Uh, I've seen this a lot where I've worked with teams where, um, you know, especially if we're dealing with a situation where we're hiring uh, executive assistants, administrative assistants, and that leader <laughs> or the, the individual, the senior individual who needs the assistant is quite selfish in their professional practices uh, and they want someone to cater to those um, selfish kind of aspects. So it's not really a team atmosphere. It's more so what I need and what I want. And this person has to cater to that. And for many of us, we don't want to talk about the ugly that's in our culture that's present, but the ugly does not, we can't hide it. We may be able to uh, conceal it for the first 90 days, which is why people will make it through that first couple of months. But eventually our dirty laundry gets aired out. Eventually people learn the ins and outs of the culture. And so if you're really, truly aiming for retention, you know, are you going to be real in the, in the interview? Um, and so I'm not saying that you have to like come out and say, Hey, you're going to be working for a jerk. Are you going to be okay with that? But you could say things like we have a, a situation where you're going to be working in an environment where there's lots of people with very high demands and they all believe that they have top priority and you have to sort through that and help navigate that. Can you give me an example of a time that you've done that. How does that make you feel knowing that you would be in an environment where everyone thinks that they have the top priority or they're the top dog and you are the one that has to sort through it and still maintain those relationships and cultivate those relationships? So not only does that person know what to expect when they meet the other individuals involved, they also can decide for themselves that this is an environment they want to be in. Now, part of you might be saying, but if I do that, I'm not going to have anyone who wants to take the job and so I'm not going to be able to fill it, which then turns to the point of, do we have to, you know, manifest cultural change, you know, and, and that leads to some tough kinds of conversations because regardless, if you hire someone who wants to be there and you find that, that diamond in the rough or, uh, that pin needle, pin needle, that pin needle and stack of hay, um, there's not really much difference between finding that versus also just constantly having this cycle of turnover, um, which is just really, really expensive and constantly training. So you're still never hitting that true level of effectiveness and efficiency. And usually when we're expanding and we're asking for administrative support, we're trying to uh, increase productivity, increase sales, increase the bottom line. And if that's part of the goal is growth, then we have to look at uh, those team dynamics that are necessary. Otherwise, you might as well just say, I'm okay with where we're at. Uh, and then learning how to remain effective and manage the current workload um, rather than adding this new kind of variable of this constant uh, turnover that's happening. 
because uh, it will happen. Uh, if it doesn't happen, then you're possibly opening yourself up to people being unproductive or disengaging um, because they are fearful or uh, feel like they're not adding any value or not valued or appreciated. And so, and we have lots of that happening out in workspaces as well. So that's kind of at the, at the core of it. And so are you struggling with retention is my question to you. And if you are, are you afraid to admit what your culture really is? Um, there's, uh, I was talking actually to a colleague today who said that she feels very stagnant in her organization because she knows she cannot manifest cultural change until certain uh, leadership changes are made. And as a result, I can guarantee that even though she is hiring and filling positions, she never probably has the expectation that she's retaining these employees until they retire. She knows that there's going to be a limit to how much people can tolerate in that current culture that's present in that organization and some will make it for certain periods of time and others will make it for less periods of time but knowing that you know hiring and recruiting is going to constantly kind of be um, a function that's going to have to be necessary Um, the only exception to this if you are struggling with attention your turnover rate is high is that you could be in a state of massive organizational change. So you are currently putting out some very heavy initiatives and causing some big ripples. As I like to say, you're shaking the trees in the forest. And as a result, people are leaving. And that's necessary turnover. That's good turnover. And it's very normal that when you um, when you do some very big changes and in initiatives to shift cultures, especially if they need a big shock uh, because they've been established for long periods of time, people are gonna naturally uh, leave because vibrationally they're not aligned anymore with what's happening within that organization. And you'll, as long as you are hiring for cultural fit and you're clear as to what that culture is that you're creating, you'll find those individuals and you'll retain them. So you will come out on the other side. So if you're experiencing heavy turnover right now, very quickly that's happening. As long as while you're hiring, you should be you should be pretty upfront with people saying that you are going through a large amount of cultural change now. I know in the past I've worked for organizations, I've done hiring for organizations where we've talked about the fact that we are amidst a lot of cultural change and that gives people uh, the ability to give you some grace when they get in and they do see some of the ugliness. Um, as long as they can see the side that you've told them is what's going to be prevailing and they see that coming to be, you retain those employees and they'll help manifest that change even further. So if you're doing that work, keep going. I know it's hard. I know it's a struggle. And I know sometimes you're in a tunnel that feels like it just keeps getting longer. You will get to that light and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. If you haven't read The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, which we'll be doing this summer on this podcast series, we'll be doing that for chapter chats for the uh, summer reading series. But Jeff Olson talks about how 95% of all people in life fail and only 5% get to where they really want to be. And all those 95% have left to do is basically pull on that 5%, trying to tell them that, why are you trying so hard? What are those efforts? Stop trying. 
this path is never going to work for you. You can't make a difference. And then we see the downward spiral hint to why that 5% is what it is. And so knowing that you're on the path to be part of that 5%, don't let anyone derail you. Knowing that if you're heavy, if you're amidst heavy organizational change, you probably have a lot of that 95% sitting around you. Um, and because before they'll leave, they'll be disengaged and they won't be very happy. Um, but those who have disengaged because they wanted a, a different culture to exist, they're going to come around. You will find that support. You will manifest that change. And I, I believe that. I mean, call me the magical HR unicorn, but I believe I have a very optimistic view that we are able to create organizational loyalty and bring back these work environments where people want to come together. I mean, I am an entrepreneur who loves the concept of working with others. And there was no way that I would ever run a business by myself. And when I started the business, that was one of the, um, one of the very basic but non-negotiable uh, agreements that my husband and I had to have was that if I'm going to have this business, it's with the intent for growth. If I'm going to have this business and I'm going to be in this business by myself, it's not going to work. I mean, we might as well just stop it right now. Uh, I want to work with other people. I know that we get stronger and can do more amazing things when we come together. And I think that's a pretty universal message for all of us. Um, we can do great things on our own. But when we find like-minded people who have like-minded passions and purposes and want to change the world, we can do some really amazing things. So that's all I had for you in this episode on Hiring for Cultural Fit. I hope that there was something that spoke to you, resonated with you, um, that you can apply to what's happening in your workplaces or your work life. And my question that I will leave you with once again is that if you're struggling with retention, are you afraid of what your culture really is? And one step further, what is your culture? Define your culture. We talk about culture all the time. It's one of those big buzzwords in the world of organizational development and HR. But very few of us define our culture. I mean, I can't, I don't even know if I could right now rattle off to you in a couple sentences what our culture is at Leadership Arts Associates. I know what it feels like. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe culture is more of a feeling, but there are some defining factors there. And so I leave you with, what is your culture really? And with that, I'll talk to you next week. See ya.